Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of Sharp Cuts. Garrett, every week we get a little bit better. I get excited every time we record, and today's guest, wow, we're in for some good ones. He's already been a twice, two-time guest on the Passing Night podcast. Excited we got him from Sharp Cuts. Uh, I don't want to raise the bar too high, but we're on pace for the best episode ever. So I'll toss it over to my guy, the, the, the really the, the brainchild of the show, the guy who thought of this idea from Yes Guy Gaming, Garrett May. Take it away. Let's get this one started. Hey everybody, uh, thanks Josh and welcome to Sharp Cuts. Josh, your excitement is getting me hype. I'm now determined this is going to be the best episode ever, no doubt. Let's go. I got to relax a little bit. I'll rein it back in. Um, so let's introduce our guests. Without further ado, let's get right into it. So this guy, a guy I used to go head to head with back in the day playing in club, played for the uh, Forest City Volleyball Club. We went head to head, beat me on more than one occasion, went on to have an amazing pro career and sets for Canada's indoor national team. It's DJ Sanders. Welcome to the program, DJ. Thank you, thank you. It's uh, no pressure with that intro. I like how we started, get the heart rate going. That's good. Yeah, we're, we're trying to elevate here, and we like to yeah. have people on the show who've kicked my ass on multiple occasions. It's yeah. been a bit of a theme here, sort of, but nobody's rubbed it in too bad, so appreciate it if you don't remind me too much of those days. So, uh, Josh, I mean, we got a high-quality guest on the show, just TJ, it's just us. Let's get into it. What are we getting into? I think we should start every show like it's a Western timeout and just everybody starts yelling, let's, let's go! go, come on! Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> but, but the first topic I want to start with, it's very topical. NFL draft is coming up, and the guy who's been supposed to be the first overall pick since like the eighth grade, he came up with an interesting quote. And with two high performers with, with Garrett and TJ on the show, I want to get your thoughts on this. And I'll read you the quote. He says, I don't have this huge chip on my shoulder that everyone's out to get me, and I'm trying to prove everybody wrong. And I think the mistake people make is that I'm not a competitor. I think that's unhealthy to a certain extent, just to always think that you've got to prove somebody wrong, you've got to do more, you've got to be better. Which, to me, I find this fascinating because he is a high performer. He's, he's a great player, Trevor Lawrence. But this is like the opposite of... Michael Jordan in the last dance where everybody's just fired up about like, you got to be a competitor. You got to be punching teammates in the face. You got to do everything to win where this guy's kind of like, you know, football's not my identity. I could walk away tomorrow and be happy where I enjoy it and I want to win, but it's not my life where uh, I'm interested. TJ Garrett, what are your thoughts on this as guys who have been one of the best in the world at at your sports? Would, do you relate to his comments? You're kind of like, no, I don't want this guy as a teammate because he's not willing to like run through a wall to win. I, I think for me, it, it depends on his demeanor on the court. I mean, that's one thing to say that and feel that and experience that, but it also, it's different with seeing how he's actually going to play, right? You might be that way and you might not be your identity, but when you get on the court, if you're still going to dive into the wall, like that might still translate. I think for me, it was for sure unhealthy. I mean, when I was younger, it was very much like I'm trying to prove it all the time. I'm trying to be better than everybody else around me. It was a, It's an interesting relationship. I think that it's something... Once it becomes your profession and your job, it's it's tough to attach that identity to it. You know, for somebody that's going into the NFL who's all of a sudden coming into crazy money, and it's it would be pretty easy to inflate your ego to a, a certain point that it's tough to get back from. But not that I'm saying that anything's wrong with that, Garrett. So I'll pass that over to you after that. Wait, no need to pass it on. I was about to jump in and say I think yeah, like for me, it seems kind of weird to hear somebody say that because in my experience, and maybe you can comment on this, TJ, some of the best competitors in the world at the highest level are a little bit crazy a little bit in your face a little bit hostile people winning gold medals at the olympics people you know in the semis and finals of world championships i'm talking beach here but indoor as well are a little bit nuts so when i hear a top draft pick or a top prospect or you know compare this to any sport being a little bit too much of a nice guy nice person it gets me a little bit worried because 
When I was competing on the world tour, these are like the top competitors on the planet and they're scrapping for everything they have. So I'm kind of curious, maybe it doesn't translate to team sports as large as maybe football, but I'm not sure about you, TJ, because like, I'm sure you get in the room, Team Canada, pro, whatever, there's some competitive freaking guys there, like ready to take somebody's head off. Yeah. And I also think it's, you know, not only are you trying to beat other players, I mean, even in practices, we're going nuts in practice. Sometimes that's actually when it's the most intense because there's, you know, there's relationships there, right? You can pull the thread a little bit deeper. Um, but yeah, yeah, I find it interesting. I mean, it totally depends. Um, I would love some more context from him, you know, because it's also something that maybe he's talking off court. He's He's got two kind of separate lives. I mean, maybe he's just a guy that's an animal on court and then off court is a different kind of person. But I would say most high performers that I've come across off court they're uh they live to some sort of extreme whatever that is like they've got their own quite unique identity i think it would be tough to you know kind of blend be moderate yeah. and become a, an extreme high performer. so do you think he's just putting on a bit of a face then that was kind of a thought of mine too is like hey you have to say this to the media like you gotta you can't seem like a total douche fully yourself guy i mean i've made that mistake on more than one occasion with the media but you're trying to be a nice guy but really when it comes down to it he gets in the huddle and he goes okay, guys, you do everything I have and say, like, I'm the big shot here, like, figure it out. Yeah, and I think that's, honestly, that's a bit of a slippery slope. I think if you're just kind of your PR person says, hey, you're supposed to say this, that's a fine line on how to say that. I think he probably didn't articulate it how he maybe wanted to. I mean, I don't, I assume if he's going to be an extremely high-level performer, he's not going to be like, hey, I actually don't really care, Right, like it's not apathy that's going to be coming out. It's probably, oh, I don't want to attach too much of my identity to this because that might breed desperation, you know, or urgency that doesn't evaluate, like you know, translate into high performance. I would say, I mean, a lot of my biggest growth points or growth factors or whatever have come with adversity. Right, you're like losing and you got to be super gritty, or you got to, you know, you get in some beef with a teammate and that ends up transcending into a better relationship and you now have a better connection um i think one thing that's interesting with that and, and sorry what position is he josh he's a quarterback and he's been like the best quarterback in the u.s since like the eighth grade like he's been the man his whole way through his career right i do think relating that back to to setting a little bit i think and it's kind of my posture as well is it's a little bit more I want to be able to adapt to all the players, right? So if he's got receivers, if he wants to adapt, if he, go, if he has one receiver that's a nut, okay, he's going to be a nut with that guy. If he's got one that needs him to calm down, like if I'm trying to lead a team or attackers, you know, let's say I've got some guys that are touching 370, I want to make sure that they're in the right frame of mind. I'm talking show, really. But if, we're, you know, but if, you're, if you're dealing with some freaky athletes – I want to make sure that they're in the right headspace, right? And that's a part of my job. I want to be able to facilitate not only my physically setting them the ball, I'm trying to set them up for success in some way. So that, that came out a little bit cliche, but you yeah, what I'm saying. Well, that's a good segue, actually, TJ, because we got the setter, Canada's national team here, like Olympian DJ Zanders. Are you kidding me, buddy? Like, okay, so I'm curious because I wanted to get into this. Like, you're adjusting the way you behave and operate and even communicate based on all the players on your team where, I mean, I haven't played as high level indoor, obviously, as you're playing, but on the beach or even when I played in university, I'm not doing that as a hitter. I'm, I've got to be 100% me and take care of myself and manage my own stuff out there because ain't nobody else doing it for me type thing. Like, hey, we need to get this done. Send me the effing ball. But it's interesting to hear you say you're taking a totally different approach, I'm sure because of position, but also, I don't know, maybe is that, do you think that's just because that's what's going to really help you as a setter or that's just the type of guy you are? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I do think the the position requires that right if i'm just hyped up and going crazy my sets are going to be all over the place i mean i can't just get jacked up and set a ball harder you know but if you're going if you're getting jacked up and you want to hit a hand like off hands harder that's going to help you and i've had so many conversations with guys i mean it's a classic thing you'll get the opposite who's got his headphones on and it's just like blaring music and he's getting his heart rate way up and he's going 10 out of 10 yeah, yeah. that's not that's never been my approach right my approach is like okay i need to make sure this guy's at 10 out of 10 and how am i going to do that is that going to be trying to get isolation certain way or is that going to be like you know shoving him or like getting him amped up or is there going to be a maybe a younger guy who's a little bit nervous and if i approach him the same way that's going to come back in my face i 
you have to be really delicate with that as a setter. It's totally a part of the position. I'm sure it's the same as a quarterback. Um, cause you, it's not about you. I mean, I'm not scoring points most of the time, right? So I'm there to try and make sure everybody else is scoring points and whatever I can do, uh, to take that advantage, I'll do. Well, that's interesting you say that, and I will say I'm a little bit, I'm equal parts disappointed and excited, and I'll tell you why. Disappointed to hear that you're not a total, full of yourself, ego guy, so we could have an entertaining show of you just talking yourself <laughs> up, but excited because it's great that you're part of our national team because you're going to bring that great team attitude to the setting position. Um, like, I, I, the way I would operate now, and we've said it a few times on the show, is like, no, I'm being entertaining. I'm the guy. I'm yelling. I'm screaming. But I mean, I, I'm reassured to hear you say that. And, and I think there are guys that need to be like that, right? Like that's a part of the a, a personality of a team that's required. But my move would be more to be silent and let that speak for itself. You okay, know? so we got Josh Nickel. He's the head coach. Well, not head coach, interim head coach. Josh, I don't even know your role anymore. We've been doing it 10 episodes deep. <laughs> yeah, let's dissect that. I don't even know what you're doing, buddy. But anyways, we got TJ here. He's managing personalities. TJ, what would you give to Josh as kind of a coach facilitating a group of beach guys to kind of actually manage that? Because, I mean, it's a bit new for Josh, but we're also trying to get results here, you know? Yeah, well, beach, you know what? I'm not sure what, what that would look like. That's such a completely different dynamic with just one other guy. Right, you know what you I mean? Got like, Josh trying to lead like ten guys in the practice, right? Like you got, I mean, it's less than you maybe have eighteen guys in the gym playing indoors, but you still got ten guys, different teams, different positions, dealing with different stuff. But you know, we got Josh in there trying to get the most out of all of them. Like, is that something we think, Josh? You got to be managing as a coach to like, hey, I'm treating this guy differently, or am I just running the practice and you're all part of it? Wow, yeah, I, I think a huge part there is going to be making sure that they understand that they have a responsibility to do that. You know, like it's up to them to be building this relationship with their partner the same way it is. If I'm talking to a younger setter, it's up to them to start developing these leadership qualities or at least the awareness of how to get the best out of your attackers. I mean, every guy is going to be different and sometimes you might not speak the same language. Sometimes you might not. Right. But if you are allowing the player to understand that that's a part of the job, Right. So if, if Josh is coaching somebody, it's like, hey, you need to become better at relationships so that your career can go further. Josh, and I won't, I won't say who I am definitely taking notes. And, and TJ, I won't say who, but speaking uh, through the Passing Nights podcast, we had a guest and he made the comment off air that, that Glenn actually adjusted in this area. And he said something along the lines of when we went into a tough timeout against Cuba in the Olympic qualifier, it was nice knowing we weren't playing against our coach, almost implying that Glenn, at the last time you guys were playing the Olympic qualifier, he was almost detrimental to the team because either he was negative or he blew guys up. So I'm curious, as his leadership style changed, did you notice a, a similar thing where maybe he changed the way he was speaking to guys or the energy he was bringing to the squad this cycle? Just to clarify, we're talking about Glenn Hogue, big shooter in Canadian volleyball. Shooter. national team center stuff like that sorry yeah the guys i mean done insane things for the program um i would say for sure though he's adapted beyond what i was expecting actually i think when he was like when i originally joined the team um it was it was a pretty old school mentality you know he had to he had to bring us out of the depths a little bit you know we were kind of like 25 in the world something like that uh, and he had to bootstrap this a little bit to get us to a level that we could be playing high level volleyball internationally consistently and then put us in positions to win games and stuff like that. Um, and the transition from him to Steph was unique because, because Glenn's a big systems guy, right? I mean, every, every, if you ever talk to him, it's, this is the offensive system. This is the blocking system. This is, and this is what you do, right? This is how you play. This is how you win games. And I've seen it where, I mean, even when I was playing in, um, in Arcas in Turkey, I mean, the amount of times we'd all of a sudden, okay, everybody's going to float serve. We're serving down the line to one, and now we're commit blocking in certain situations. And the fact that it worked like a ridiculous amount of times um, is something that I got to commend him for. But then when Steph came along, I mean, he's a, he's a, was a national team player from France. They had won European championships. He's a super creative guy. He was doing like hybrid serves before it was a thing. Um, so he comes in and he's the opposite. He's like, oh, if you go up to block and you want to reach or you want to pull or you want to do, yeah, if it works, then it worked. And you then are now got the point. And that's the whole point of it all. Um, which I think was the perfect blend for where we were at. You know, we kind of had a decade of more military-esque training and, and we were really diving into the system, but then we all knew it like the, like it was in our blood. And then we get this guy that comes in and has a totally different approach 
And I think when Glenn was coming back, he was hypersensitive to the fact that when Steph came in, we made huge leaps. Like we got that bronze medal at World League. So he's like, okay, what's going on? And he had a ton of conversations with me, with a bunch of other guys about, okay, what's the dynamic like now? What's going on? And he totally adjusted that mentality. And I, and I mean, in a lot of conversations I had with him, he was far more confident than I, than I'd heard from him in the past. Uh, and it could be because we, you know, got to Rio, we have the bronze medal at world league, right? Like it yeah. kind of, we proved ourselves a little bit, but the fact that he was that confident, he gave more reins to us to be creative. Um, so I would say tying that back to maybe being harsher in timeouts or a little bit more relaxed. I think in this past Olympic qualifier, he just had more confidence. I think if you're confident in your, uh, if you're a coach, if you're not confident in your players, that's when you kind of get desperate, right? You're starting to reach for things. Maybe that means you throw a tantrum. Maybe that means you isolate a certain guy, right? Like there's different tactics you might have. Uh, and Glenn was a pretty mindful guy. He was using a lot of those tactics intentionally. Right. Um, and I think it was honestly pretty cool to see uh, this sort of evolution of him as a coach. And I mean, it, it also proves that the guy's also coached professionally for a long time. So he's constantly bouncing back and forth between different groups of guys. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like he's, uh, you know, one trick pony kind of thing. And I, I mean, I just have to commend him because I was really impressed with his, his kind of new approach. And I think, you know, that Cuba game, we're down 0-2, pretty easy to start getting, you know, panicky, right? It's a pretty classic time where okay, you're down 0-2. We're not even playing that bad. They're just kind of outplaying us. It's yeah. pretty easy for a coach to lose it a little bit. But yeah, he was pretty calm, cool, and collected. And we were... Uh, we were able to use that on the court. Nice. So that's spurring on something I also wanted to talk about. Because when I hear you say that, I kind of go, man, like a systems-based thing, like really technical. It's just like, ah, it just it makes me uncomfortable just even hearing that. Because I'm like, nah, that's my style. Like, let me get in there. Let me mix it up. Let me do what's needed in the moment, not necessarily do the same thing every time and then rely on somebody else or some other thing to give me what I need. But I think that's a little bit of the beach versus indoor mentality for sure. But it does make me think like when I played indoor, some of my fondest things were being like mixing up with the boys, some of the funny things with the coach in practice, like all these things, right? And if you have this kind of hard ass style of very systems based, very technical, you're studying, you know, where are the lighter moments? Are there any kind of stories and things that things get like, is Glenn Hogan there making jokes? Like, is he, is he swearing? Is he yelling at you guys? Is he cracking a joke? Does somebody come in with game day hair? And he's like, Oh, I see you got the extra gel in there, bud. Like, is that kind of stuff creeping in? Or is it like, Hey, this is your job. Like this is work. We're, we're taking this seriously. Do that you know, have a beer after practice or whatever with the boys, or maybe don't do that. I don't even know. Like, does that stuff ever creep in? Yeah, that, that's a pretty good question. I would say, you know, same kind of storyline, same trajectory. I think early on, I think because Glenn, when he kind of got the program, he was such a long-term guy. Like he was planning things in decades. Yeah. Right. So I think in the moment when he's having conversations one-on-one -on -one or he's with the team, you could tell his head still well, we need to get to this point if we want to eventually get to this point and right. so on. Um, so I would say he was more, uh, yeah, he was definitely more of a, a general than, than a jokester when it, when it came to the gym. But again, I think it was another interesting transition because then when Steph came in, I mean, the guy's got a hilarious French accent. Okay. So it's almost impossible to not laugh most <laughs> times. Like, I'm not going to lie. He went day one. We're all just kind of meeting him and we do our little warm up. And he's like, okay, everybody, we're going to play paper. And we don't know what that means. He's like, keep saying paper. He's like, yeah, like, go oh. paper. <laughs> Obviously, volleyball people, right? We're like, what? Paper. It came out that it was pepper. I'll tell you one thing. Oh, paper? Really okay, I was ready for – Yeah, oh. you were going rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I'm not going to lie. After the two years, he was still calling it paper. And every single time, the entire group would laugh. And I'm pretty sure all of us would then start saying it as we'd start our warm-up. So the, the air in the gym was a little bit lighter uh, throughout all that. But that was also, I mean, it's reflective of his personality as well. Right. You know, like he would laugh at himself. Yeah. The guy speaks like 14 languages. So the fact that we're laughing at his English, it's, <laughs> it's pretty easy for him to brush it off. Yeah. Um, but then it, it was cool. Yeah, when Glenn, when Glenn came back, he's definitely – uh, I think, I don't know what it is. I'm with you. If it's super structured, you're going to be missing something, right? If you're so dialed in, there's going to be that nuance. I mean, the game of volleyball, there's so many micro touches that if you're too structured, I mean, you're going to be missing out on stuff. And I think 
it got to the point, like I mentioned earlier, that he started seeing the fact that we could be exploiting those, you know, that nuance right. and to our advantage, right? We were playing yeah, much yeah. better volleyball. We started to become kind of one of those top teams. So I would say now he's a little bit more, uh, you know, quick to laugh, quick to joke, that kind of thing. So I don't he's know. He's throwing around uh, jokes. So does Glenn well, have jokes? Like, do these guys crack him I'm in not practice? Gonna lie. Like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as say he's got jokes, okay. <laughs> but uh, he's a little more uh, free spirited than he once was. Okay. So somebody goes back there. It's the big middle. He's hitting a float, hits it under the net. Doesn't touch the tape. Maybe that never happens, but I mean, or fooms it off the back wall or something. Like, is is it like, oh, don't say anything? Or is it like, oh, yeah, you know, like what's happening in the moment? Yeah. So again, early Glenn Hogue, it's dead silent. Oh. There's fear in the gym. Because if you're serving under the net, it might mean we're not going to climb from 18th in the world to 10, or we're not going to make it to Rio, or we're not going to medal oh, the Pan Am Games. I mean, yes, and it, oh, for sure. There is some times where, yeah, it was high. And unfortunately, that would sometimes snowball into other actions like that, because they're so tense. Uh, I would say now, you'll get some looks from Glenn where it's just more like, wow, I don't know what that was. It, it, <laughs> he's got some decent, decent facial expressions. I don't know what it is, too, about, actually, no, maybe this is more Steph, too. But there's just something about a middle blocker, like you you mentioning middle blockers taking yes. a serve. There's just something that they can be the most freaky physical guys and just absolutely shut down anybody in the world. But then trip one time, yeah, when they're serving, and it's just you can't you can't unsee. And that's actually on the team. We've got, I mean, a little bit of a code. Yeah, it's not going to be happy that I probably go into this, but Dan JVD is the the. Uh, original seven is kind of what what we call them and basically what a seven is is we call it like a seven footer right he's like vakitis from semi-pro or something like that right so he's super freaky super good at what he does but he does things that he's not in the same world and i mean jvd's been a a pretty prime case of of somebody who's had instances with like the biggest block i've ever seen in the world and then go to pass a free ball the next ball and not think it's in freak all right like there's just funny actions that happen because of being seven feet tall uh, I mean, obviously he's not actually seven feet tall, but it's kind of the, you gotta, you gotta embellish it a bit. And, uh, so I would say there's definitely some laughter from both Steph and Glenn okay. now, if a seven goes full seven. For right. Sure. Okay. I, see, I'm a little bit disappointed to kind of hear that though. Cause when I think about, and I don't know, maybe some of our listeners out there can relate. Cause you think about pro, you think about, you take it very seriously, right? 100%, but you got to enjoy it at some level. If you want to like, you got to do it long term guys who play for 20 years, like, they ain't doing it because you're making great money. I mean, maybe you are, but you're probably not. You're probably doing it because you love it, right? Um, so to hear that it's not like, I, I don't know. Some of my best memories are like in practice when somebody does something completely stupid and we just kill ourselves laughing. Like, Or in a meeting, you're in a video meeting and coach says something like stumbles over his words, accidentally says something stupid or like, I can remember one time in a video session with uh, with Jim Sage, my coach at Western. We're watching video, and, you know, it's dense. It's like we're watching the crap team, whatever. He goes, oh, yeah, this guy only hits cross. Like, we got to take this guy cross. The very next point, the guy goes up and absolutely buries it line. Like, bounce, like huge celly. And we, I, I like, I, we couldn't help. It was just like, oh, we can't help but laugh, right? But I, I'm, I guess that stuff, I mean, when you're playing pro, like, you're there to get a job done, right? Like, yeah, it doesn't go away though. I mean, for me as a player, I'm for sure going to be quick to laugh at that sort yeah, of scenario. Okay. But I mean, you got to read the room, right? If it's yeah, yeah. 13 13 in a big match and somebody serves under the net, it's likely because they're just <laughs> terrified and not because they happen to be going full seven. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I do think that those moments are bound to happen. Again, like I mentioned earlier, there's so many of these tiny touches. Like you're contacting the ball so many times in a game that weird things are bound to happen. And oh, if you can and be enjoying yourself or laughing or, or you know, it's a it's a way to learn it's also a way to like boost your adrenaline a little bit i don't know about you but if you're having fun and something funny happens and then that guy probably wants to prove himself now yeah, like let's go bit, you know exactly yeah like josh is that happening at the center like covid with the masks on between like are you guys joking around or are you bringing the full serious no i think we we try to flip the switch like we'll have video sessions and i'll try to put in quotes from movies and little things like we're, we're trying to mix it up Wait, a little you're bit trying so to that- be funny uh, I, 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 I'm not funny. So I try to okay. find like clips from movies that are oh, that funny are fun. to start the video presentation. So just yeah, show we'll them we'll one hour of this, of this episode <laughs> yeah. right now and say, okay, here you guys do. This is your entertainment. 
I will. I will include passing time stuff, and I'll always get like shameful plug or like cheap and all this stuff. But anyways, it, it, tell them new episodes every Friday and every Monday. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Or you mix in a quote from like any given Sunday or Mighty Ducks, just to kind of like it, I could say it in my own words, but it won't have the same effect if it's like an intense like Rudy clip from a movie or something. You got to find ways to change it up because boys, we so, need the flying V. <laughs> what are you doing, flying V, right now? You do have to mix it up. Like TJ said, you do have to read the room. But I think if you're just serious all the time, then I think it turns into a long season after a while, at least for the, for the beach guys, because we're stuck inside and it's an outdoor sport and they want to be traveling around the world. So if you're in Downsview Park for six months straight and coach is being a serious guy, I think we'd, we'd seriously lose the room and then they stop learning. Because hearing you explain this, Garrett, like a, a big thing in the coaching community right now is Pete Carroll, the Seattle Seahawks coach, and then uh, Steve Kerr, the Golden State Warrior they actually have joy in practice. Like that's one of their missions. Like they play music at practice. They're joking around. Like they want it to be a fun environment that when you come to practice, we're still getting our work done. And, and as a professional coach myself, I'm trying to steal ideas from people smarter than me. So I, I'm trying to instill those things, but you still got to get your work done. You know, there, there's a difference between having joy and being silly. Like at the end of the day, you yeah. still want to win. You don't want to just come to practice and be a jackass and then not compete when it's time to go. Right. So, so TJ, I don't know if you guys have that experience. Like, are you playing music during warm up, or guys getting fired up in the room or as soon as it's like you put your shoes on, everything's serious with the national team or your pro clubs. Yeah. Well, I think to get to a certain level, you're going to be hyper competitive. Like it's just the reality of it. So if you put, you know, 14 dudes that are all hyper competitive and it's seen, it can get like pretty dark, right? Everybody can just be button heads all the time. So for sure, you gotta, you gotta have some light in there. And I think Go ahead, Garrett. Well, I was going to jump all over that because I really wanted to talk about that because it's not often <laughs> we have national team guy on the podcast. And we've talked about it a few times about throwing chirps in practice, the intensity that you can get to. It sounds like you don't want to go full, like, argument. Uh, well, maybe not obviously, but, like, let's not kick each other's asses here. But I'm sure sometimes it gets there. I'm kind of curious what that's like because – I mean, people are people, right? And especially if things are super serious, I'm kind of curious in your pro teams and on the national team, like, are guys chirping in practice? Maybe not. Does it ever get there? Like, what's the scene there? And then does it carry over into games? Like, are you chirping guys who don't speak your language through the net? Like, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, national team for sure. I think our practices are super high intensity. I I think we've got a pretty high mission too, right? Like, we want to go and win the Olympics. So we're not going to go in there and just... Like you said, Josh, it's such a good point. There's a difference between joy and silly, yeah. right? Like if you're going in there and you're goofing off, you're not really on the trajectory to your goal. Um, but for us, there's definitely – and I think why it's interesting with the national team is because we have now known each other for a decade. So if you start getting each other's – like if you're getting lippy, there's some density behind that. There's, there's some material history there. there, right? So there's probably some stuff you could bring, right? There's some – it's pretty good. Um, I think for pro, I, I mean, most of the teams that I'm on, the starting six are going to be on a whole other level than the rest of the guys. So usually the rest of the guys are developmental guys. Maybe there's some like huge potential there. Um, so you're not likely going to be doing that. Although a lot of time, I mean, being a small blocker, especially when there's young guys, typically on, on some of these pro teams, there's going to be some freaky young guys, right? Right. So those freaky young guys happen to be hitting against me. So if I end up blocking them or pulling and they swing out or whatever it is, that's pretty easy for me to kind of laugh at them a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah. It, 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 they're winning 93% of the time, but that 7%, I got to let them know. Oh, right? let them know. <laughs> um, and, but again, pro, it's a weird thing because it is. It, there's a difference between national team. It's long-term. We're trying to do quads. We're trying to win Olympics. Pro, it's like you're getting a paycheck. You're playing against a, another guy getting a paycheck. You might both be Canadians who are friends back home. You know, you're rarely going to be chirping there. You're probably going to be more, hey, what's up? What, how you doing? Like, right. uh, you know, what's your city like? What's your, right? Um, but definitely national team, things get gritty. And I think those are always our best practices. Like they get tense. They get, um, there's a lot of guys. I mean, classic, Blair Band's a pretty classic guy. He's very skilled at poking the bear. Oh, yeah. So like, is, is, the, is the situation like, you you dump it and the left side totally went with the C ball or whatever. You dump, you score on him, you turn, hey, where the hell are you going, bud? Like you're not paying attention to me? Like is it that kind of stuff? Or is it even like next level, like you f- suck, like get your shit out of here and go? Yeah, for me, I'm not I'm not like a dump on a guy and, and turn in his face. I'm more I wanna have ten plays and know exactly what he's gonna do for ten plays and 
be a bit of a puppet master there. Right. There are other guys that will go and hit ridiculous shots and obviously let people, or, you know, I mean, the amount of times, the amount of times we're playing and stuff like that, that guys get hit in the face or whether it's on block or on defense or stuff like that, it just happens all yeah. the time. And that'll amp a guy up if he's, again, depends on the, where you're at in the situation. Like there's a lot of times where we're a couple weeks out from a major competition so we're going to have really high intensity training. You know, if we're, if we're leaving pretty soon for something, we're not necessarily going crazy, right? right. You're trying to peak at the right time. Um, but there's been a lot of practices over the year. Yeah. Where, where things get lippy and I mean, but yeah, for me, it's not, it's not so much the in your face. I won this one point. Cause for me, winning one point isn't that great. Right. Like anything can, you can miss a serve. It's worth the same thing. I'd rather win all of the points and know why I won them. And so is it more like, Somebody, you're having practice. You got A and B side, whatever. B's dominating A. Like we, we've got your number. You know, we're doing. I don't know what kind of drills you guys would be doing. Maybe we're doing. Uh, you know, ten side outs in a row, whatever. We're getting ten. Like you can't even stop us once. Like what the heck are you doing? Like pick it up. We're not getting better here. You're not getting better here. Type thing. I th- I think for me it would be. Let's say I've got ten in a row. Let's say I run a 31 10 times in a row, and we score ten times in a row. That's like pretty tough on the other team. Like, come on, I'm doing, I'm going to do the same thing. And sometimes I'll even say that. It's like, Oh, I'll keep doing it. I'm going to set him this time. You better stop him. Right. And it's a little bit of a mind game because it's like, well, why would he do that? That doesn't make any logical sense. Right. But that's, that's the beauty of being a setter. I I, like, you get to manipulate, not only you get to manipulate logic a little bit. Right. And that's why when I always watch um, middles, I'm trying to figure out what they want, why they want to do it. What, like, you know, I'm trying to really figure out, understand who they are. Mm-hmm. So if I can understand who they are, then I can toy with that a little bit. And that, and that's, I mean, that's part of the fun. Oh, like your opponent, not your guy. Like your yeah, the opponent. No, no, no. I, well, I mean, I might try and manipulate my own teammates in a good way. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. But you're looking. You go, okay. This guy wants to slam this guy, maybe. So I'm gonna maybe set him yeah. up for that and just go somewhere else, or yeah. give him a chance and then take it away, type thing. For sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, man, that's that's got to be a lot of fun. Like, if you can get to that level, because like, I mean, you're playing rack or you're playing club, and nobody's paying attention. Nobody's that good. Like, you don't get that, right? Where when you get the top of the top, you can do stuff like that. I'm sure that's a blast, man. Yeah, and and the cool thing is, is we get to also play on. So if I'm going to play a team, they've probably watched hundreds of hours on me, right? So they know what I've done. But the beauty of that is, I also know what I've done, right? So I can use that to my advantage as well, right? They're all of a sudden like, oh, when he, I mean, it's pretty unlikely at the, at the highest levels that there's technical issues like, oh, he takes two steps back, he sets forward or whatever. Um, but if I look, because I'll typically get statistically, you know, distribution or, or what it's sort of looking mm-hmm. like, usually that relates more to matchups and, and what I'm trying to do than an actual tendency. Like if there was any left side in there and any middle, I'm going to do the same thing. That's not right. likely. But if I can see certain gaps that I can use that that's all information that I get to turn and use. And especially if I know, like, cause there's a lot of middles out there that hate to be beat, right? Like they hate to set a 51 and get scored on. Yeah. And that's a pretty easy thing to play with, right? Like then yeah. you just run a push ahead of 51, right? And then all of a sudden they can't get stopped. And then the rest of the game, they're terrified to get beat. So they're just committing all game. That's yeah. a pretty standard uh, setup or like situation that will happen. Oh man, that's super cool. Um, it kind of makes me think too, when we were talking about like, when you get to that level, it kind of makes me think like how you get to that level. Cause I've had kind of limited exposure, I think, to that process. I tried out for the junior national team one year. I got offered a P5 spot, I think, and I turned it down to play beach. And Josh, I think we've talked about this a little bit too, with the beach national team tryouts and how you actually identify people. I'm kind of curious your experiences because obviously you go in there, you're a guy like you, we all think we're good when we step in that room, but um, there's just a few things I want to get your thoughts on because we were in that same room together. I think that year, Um, I think maybe you were injured. I can't remember with the year I tried out. Were you there? Friend of the show, Jeff Miller started an amazing golf brand called club Jason. Designed with quality in mind, Jason sets no limits on comfort, feel, and appeal. They are devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who could benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer. An additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Club Jason wanted to pass on some savings to you, official friend of the show. Use promo code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S, at checkout 
to receive 15% off your order. Jason also offers free shipping in North America on any order over $99. Visit clubjason.com, that's C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com to check out their amazing clothing and to learn more. Jason, join the club. Did you freeze or are you... No, I'm just. I'm wow, just that was that great. Both, both of you <laughs> did not move, and I. I'm not sure what's going on. That was great. Wow. It would be, be an episode of Sharp Cuts if we didn't have a tech issue. Yeah, I know. I was like, TJ can't remember awesome. if I was there because he doesn't really remember me that much. It's okay. I totally understand. Trying to remember the year, Garrett. Was that 2010, 11? Like, give TJ a timeline. He's been with the national team Sorry. for 10 years. I can't just say were you there. Context but. before I just yeah. ask him out of the blue. Hey, you've been playing. I love it. Yeah. Put me on the spot, man. That's why I'm here. Um, yeah, it was 2011. 2011, and you were trying out for what? What was that? It was the junior national t- national group. So Okay, so yeah, yeah. So that was the year that I was on the – yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, um, you were there. I don't know if you were there, but you were there. Great. How's that another for, 20, how's that another 20 seconds sound like that this is going to go viral. That was beautiful. <laughs> Poetic. Clip that, Josh. Um, <laughs> But my impression when I was there was because this is a selection thing, right? So you get some guys who are going to go on to be on the national team, play pro. They're going to be there. And then you get some guys who are aspiring or just not going to make the cut. I just found that everybody was like – this is my impression anyway, and this maybe wasn't the case. But it felt like everybody was just being super fake, like trying to be super mega positive, like to have coach hear them that they're being a great teammate, trying to be just mega – disingenuous and here i am like beach guy like what no that like that was terrible good try don't tell me good try like i tell me i suck like i've been playing with a partner who's on my ass for the whole year and like i don't need this like and i felt like oh damn do i need to be this way i'm kind of curious because i'm sure you've gone through multiple selections and seen people come through do you find that that helps people is that the attitude you see people come through with or is that am i just a kind of a one-off there well, I definitely think it's a misconception that if you're just mega positive, that means you're a good team guy. Because I think that's what they're all aiming for, right? Is that right. they're like a good team guy. They're going to be a good fit. They're going to be able to like, you know, develop with the other players. But, you know, being the first guy to sprint around and shag the balls, that's something that's praised, you know, in your 15U try, like, tryout, right? Because you show that you're coachable or whatever it is. But at the higher levels, that's not really what's determining who's a good teammate and not. Right. Um, so I would say – Actually, most of the time, it all comes back down to intent, right? If that's just your personality and you're just the kind of guy that's super positive, sweet. But if that's, I think you saying disingenuous, if you're just trying to put a face on, I think that's also pretty easy to see through. I think if you're a coach, it's pretty easy to be like, oh, this guy's trying way too hard. And see, my my minor issue with that is it takes away from what you're actually doing there, right? If you're there to play volleyball and, and, you know, excel and develop and take risk and grow and all that stuff, and your attention is going into being mega positive or like just saying like, come on guys, we can side out. Like that information is somewhat whittled. Like there's nothing there. Right. Right. So I think if you're somebody who, yeah, like you said, nice try, you don't, you're like, what, what do you mean? That was terrible. What's well, cause you know, you can do better and you're striving for something better than that. I think that has to be the standard. The standard shouldn't be, Oh, let's all be happy. Only, only because unless that's honest, right. If that's right. really it, if you're just a super positive guy, and you can turn over after a, a bad mistake really easily through that, through like, oh, wow, I did take a lot of risks. That was a nice try. All right, well, let's do it again. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's different than being like, hey, nice try, Garrett, even though that was a terrible shot. So what I'm seeing was probably accurate. But what you're saying is, is like, hey, you know, people are seeing through that. We get stuff like that all the time. Guys trying to come through and just show their best self, whatever they think that means. But really, we're looking at, you know, who is this person? What are they actually doing? Their decisions, what they're actually outputting type thing to get a sense of who they are. Yeah, and I would honestly say a lot of times, and I've been that guy, like I don't want to be that guy, but it's coming from insecurity. Right. right? You're at this training, you're like, I don't know where I stand. Am I going to make the team? I don't really know these other guys. So you're trying to put a face on that you think everybody wants to see. Where like if, if, so if you're out there trying out for a team or something like that, just know what's your actual objective, right? Is your objective to be the guy that's super positive or is your objective to be the best player in the gym or is it to like help, is it to help other people play better? Cause maybe that, maybe with some guy that is being super positive, maybe yeah. with another guy like you, it's not being that right. There's more depth and complexity than just nice try. Yeah. And I'll be, I'll be honest, like with indoor, 
it's really hard to get that feeling when you look at uh, it's clipboard, it's system, it's X's and O's, coaches explaining the drill. Like there's not a lot of that, but it's, it's cool to hear that you're saying it's there, right? Like it is there. People are valuing this stuff. This is like people pay attention to this kind of stuff, but uh, just you got to There's a bit of a gatekeeping process. <laughs> yeah. And I think with all the systems and the technical side of, of the indoor game, I think you have to master that first. Mm. You know, it's like you got to be able to understand all that before you can get creative mm. and have all these other outlets. Like, it's the same thing. If I'm going to try and help a 14U setter, I'm not going to tell them how to break down a middle blocker. Right. Right. It's you're going to be doing something a little bit different because you have to learn the fundamentals first. And I think that's the beach right away. Creativity is rewarded. You know, when indoor, there's so many guys in the court that it like it might unless you're technically sound. And you have a lot of tools that you can use and that you can manipulate the opponents with. You're not going to be that successful with it. Right. So you kind of have to understand that and master that first. And I think that goes for all positions. You know, I think that's the kind of thing where if you're a libero, if you're a left side, if you're a setter, like all you got to understand your position and your role to a certain degree before you kind of step into there. As a point, like for my very minor experience with beach, being creative was like the game changer being like having that whatever X factor cliche comment that is, but you know, whatever that difference maker is, I was a tiny guy who couldn't jump. So, okay. I'm obviously not going to be successful doing the normal thing. So what can I do to potentially win Man, points? And that's such great advice for it. If I don't know if we have any aspiring players out there, but like in indoor, you got to know your job. Like it sounds pretty clear. Like you have to have a fundamental level of where you should be at any time and what your position is responsible for. And then that's where kind of the art and creativity comes in when you can build on that. It kind of makes me think how funny the differences are between the beach selection tryouts and the indoor selection tryouts. Cause I go, there was one year in 2011 where I did both. I went to the indoor selection tryout. Everybody's being super positive. We're shagging balls. We've got the ball server. You're doing all this stuff. And then I go to the beach tryout, like, you know, four months later or whatever. And it's like silent. Nobody's saying anything. Everyone's like kind of rude to each other. Like nobody really wants to be there. Like it was such a stark contrast. I think maybe, and this is something I've heard people say a lot is like, we got to learn, like both have to learn from each other and kind of bring some of those things in, Josh. So I don't know. I, I think maybe that's something we can work to maybe be a be a conduit between the two. I don't know what you think there. I think we the beach thing of teams within teams, like you can afford to be a little bit gritty or a little bit surly because like, Garrett, if you win, that means I didn't win, right? Like, because we're in the same tournament and I'm playing against you where, TJ, to your point, we have a clear goal and we're all pulling in the same direction and there's like a quad plan where even if like – there was a time, Garrett, when we had less cards on the beach. Like, I've heard stories of Canadians cheering against other Canadians on the world tour. And that, to me, seems so foreign. But to the premise of, like, if you get carded, Garrett, that means that there's only probably four or five more spots. And that means I'm out of a job next year. So even though you're my guy and I'll go have dinner with you tonight, I'm not rooting for you to win this qualifier. And I think it's such a toxic environment. But that's what the 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 sport needed at that time because of the limited spots. Well, and nobody's asking me to go to dinner after the tournament. Anyway, so, I mean, maybe that, it's a little close to home, Josh. It kind of hurts. Careful where you're, you're going with that. Um, so cool, man. Like, I, Yeah, like that's super cool to hear your perspective, TJ. I mean, I, I feel like I've known you for years, but we haven't actually like gotten into it and chatted. I mean, it's, it's amazing. That's like, I don't know many of the indoor guys and I feel like I'd love to, like that would be amazing. Right. But I, I don't know. I just don't. TJ, is there a gritty guy? Like when you talked about, like, we don't have a lot of rah-rah and it comes from like, they're not being genuine about it. Is there a guy who's who's never been that guy? Like I'm thinking Steve Marr in university was an absolute like lion in the practice gym and was going to win drills and was going to chirp the first years and was going to like make it competitive. Like, was he ever trying to be the rah-rah guy with Team Canada? Or is there certain guys on the court that are just like, we, we don't need this, this good job stuff. I'm trying to win the drill and you better do your effing job if you're on my team. Uh, I would say probably most guys are like that. I mean, I... Like, I mean, it comes down to the fact that there's so many practices, so many drills, so many whatever that like being raw, raw gets to a point where you realize that it might be useless. It might be necessary and it might be a good tool to have. Right. But if it's some like we're here to get the job done. And again, it goes back to the same thing with personalities. Right. There's there's a bunch of ops. I mean, I remember having so many conversations with Gavin where he was like he was that guy. I need to put my headphones on and I need to get 10 out of 10 because that's the way that I can be successful. I'm not here to like think and be creative i'm here to destroy a block right it's like how can i do that um i would say mar for sure it's 
it's interesting actually to watch a lot of the younger guys come into the group. I mean, now that I've kind of flipped ends, I definitely came in with a pretty passive approach being like, okay, what's my role? How am I going to fit in here? What am I going to do? I'm 24 and now I'm the setter and there's 35 year olds I'm playing with. You know, I don't think I'm going to be the guy like, you know, talking down to them. Um, but at the same, so it was cool to, to definitely watch Mar go through that transition. I think at the beginning, he was also feeling it out, right? It's a lot to all of a sudden you're now with the A team and you're on a world league schedule and you're going to all these big events. It's like a big transition for, for any player. Uh, and I think he was feeling it out at first. Definitely now he's one of the louder guys in the gym. And I think a lot of times it's super beneficial for him, right? And I think the beauty of that is that it creates these opportunities. It's almost like the catalyst for a little bit of headbutting. Right. If Mar honestly like goes to hit some big shots and he's really feeling it, then maybe the next time Blair gets him, it'll be like, wow, you only have one shot or whatever. Right. There's all these different examples of where that comes from. And I think you need that. Right. So, and I hope I interpreted that correctly. Like if I'm thinking raw, raw, I'm thinking the guy that's disingenuously positive. Yeah. Yeah. Where that's not anybody on our team. I don't think like, I don't see anybody kind of just being like, Oh, nice try or good job. It's, Hey, we're all here to perform a job. We've been doing it for, you know, a while now too. And a lot of these guys, you go overseas and maybe you're with guys that you don't even know you're playing with a Serbian and a Bulgarian and they're just there to collect a paycheck and you're having to do whatever you got to do. Um, so I would say though, it's, it's pretty over the year, like probably the last five years, we've had some pretty awesome practices. We've had some good times where guys are going at it and it always tends to lead to something. Mm. You know, that's another cool thing about when you're with a group for so long, those moments turn into the moments where you recognize that, oh yeah, maybe I do need to actually change a little bit here. Maybe it needs to be like, oh, I need to be less phased. Like if, I don't know, like pick any guy, if they make some mistakes and they get phased, then we kind of put some pressure on that. That's going to happen in world championships. That's going to happen at the Olympics, right? You're going to make a couple bad plays. You're not going to be perfect. So if we can apply a little bit of pressure, it might be beneficial for us in the long run as well. Holy shit, Josh. Like, this stuff you talk about same stuff different pile the stuff that tj is talking about right now tj you've never really talked with my dad or hernan humana or marquise or john child that much have you no it's the same shit dude like it's the same like you want to perform at a high level this is what we're doing. We're putting pressure on ourselves in the training environment to learn, to grow, to get better. And we're dealing with it, we're, the tough stuff as a team, man. Like that's, that's so cool to hear. And it, it's just like, man, it's, it's so wild how when you get some success, you get to the top. Like that's the stuff you're dealing with no matter where you are, what sport, what you're doing. So, I mean, cool to hear you say that. <laughs> it just is like affirming. It's like, man, how many times I got to learn these lessons like before – you know, they sink in and I actually do them every day in my life, my everyday life. Forget volleyball. Like, let's do these things type thing. And I, I also think, you know, I'm always mm, hedging myself of not being one dimensional. Mm. You know, so if you're if you're a, if you're only just applying that pressure and it's like every training is just the coach losing it and trying to make sure that it's this crazy environment, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. Right. It's like we just talked about. If you don't have joy in your play, yeah, yeah. you're missing out on some nuance. So I think and I think it's cool being a setter and it's a part of my responsibility yeah. that I want to sort of thread the needle between the guy going crazy and getting frustrated. Because at a certain point, if they're going at it and it's detrimental to the group yeah, like it's or detrimental to them, then it's not good. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's like, how do you actually evaluate that? And I think that's why coaching at a high level is such an art you have to be able to monitor those ebbs and flows you know it's not just like hey we need to make this as if it's a game environment every practice it's how do we make sure we're reaching for the goal we want to reach you know a lot of it's the same kind of thing when i was talking about this progression with the glenn circa 2010 then steph coming in and then glenn again there was a lot of evolution that happened with the team so glenn's not going to come back and just have this same mentality right that's why he's having meetings with everybody he's trying to watch old games. He's has a great relationship with Steph to try and understand, okay, what is that nuance? How do we take advantage of that? Right. So that kind of brings me to the next topic I was hoping to cover is about the coaches, because as a beach guy, even an indoor guy, when I played, I'm looking around at all these people in the gym 
people in the meetings. And I, I'm going, and I mean, maybe Josh can relate a little bit. Josh has coached some indoor as well, but I'm going, what are you doing? Like, what do we need you for? Who are you? I don't even know your name. Like, why are you watching me? Like that type of thing. I'm kind of curious what the relationship is like there between, because you obviously you've talked a lot about your head coaches that you've had with the national team, but there's a lot of people on the bench. There's a lot of people there. There's a lot of people who are there who don't sit on the bench. I'm kind of curious, like, do you find that there's value there? Do you ever find yourself, even if you find value with some of these assistants and other coaches, do you ever find yourself going, somebody jumping in and say, you know what, get out of here. Like, you don't know what you're doing. Like, is there ever that kind of thing going on? I'm kind of curious your thoughts uh, on that situation. Yeah, well, I, I do think um, I've probably experienced it more with professional teams that just might have more uh, assistant coaches and stuff like right. that. Because with our with our A team, honestly, we don't have that many people around. Okay. Um, and I think that's it's probably on purpose, right? Like I'm right. sure that Glenn wants to make sure he or like Glenn or Steph or whatever it is. There's not too much insight, because, especially if you're playing for a country. There's a lot of coaches in this country. Yeah. Right. And every head coach would probably do some a little differently. They'd all take us in a little bit of a different direction. So if you have too many cooks in the kitchen, I think that can eventually become detrimental a little bit. Right. Um, and I would also say, I mean it goes back to the fact that most of the guys in the teams are full on adults, right? It's not like you're having an assistant coach who's talking to you like, Hey, you need to do this differently because of it. It's like a conversation of, Oh, I noticed you're doing this a lot. Is that, are you working on something or is this something right? Like it's more that kind of stuff. And I have noticed it being beneficial. I would say setting is probably something that's, we don't have any setting coaches, right? So it's not really something I'm getting feedback a lot. Like if we, if we have Dan Lewis as an uh, assistant coach, he's probably helping receivers a little bit more right. than he's helping me. Yeah. Right. So I, I think it's fortunately the whole time that I've been at the program, guys kind of know their place pretty well. Okay. Um, and you also, you also get a lot of not only coaches coaching, but it's play, it's interplayer stuff right. too. Right. Like if, if, all of a sudden a B guy comes up, we're all going to kind of help it. Like it's, we all have the same goal. Yeah. Yeah. We for sure have the goal to beat each other in that drill, but we're only trying to beat the other person so that they can get the best of themselves and they're competing against a good player. Right. With so many people in the facility, do you ever feel the pressure to be on that you are an A team guy? Cause like Glenn's really inclusive about like random coaches can show up and get now, or like one side of the curtain will be the B team. The other side will be the youth team. Like, do you ever feel pressure that we're the A team? We have to be so professional or are guys ever, I don't know, kicking balls or yelling at each other or like disrupting the environment that like a U19 player would see that and be like, whoa, like that, that's how professionals behave. Like, or do you feel like you have to be above the line and everything you guys do when the youth guys are around? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think for a lot of, a lot of our practices, we're a little bit under the microscope, not only there, but let's say we're showing up to a VNL match. There's like reporters there before the game. If you're in your pro teams, there's fans, there's the president, there's the owner. So you're kind of, you get good at playing that game a little bit. Uh, I think when we're in Gatineau and we're in that center, it's cool because again, like it's all reaching to that pinnacle of like an Olympic gold medal. So those youth guys are a part of that. Like, right. We're all a part of the same thing. So if I'm, you know, kicking balls uselessly or being obnoxious, it's not helping anybody. Right. Right. And I think if you were that person, you'd be quick to get called out because, Hey, there's like a bigger, there's something bigger than you right now. You're being a little bit selfish if that's the sort of mentality. Now, has it been, we've had really intense practices and guys probably saw a lot of grown men yelling and things like that. For sure. It's a part of the intensity, especially because there is a moment where you have to mature into that intensity. You know, you can't be obnoxious, right? Being obnoxious is is not the same as being intense and disciplined and like striving for a really ambitious goal. Um, I know in the past that we've definitely had like rules, like if you kick a ball, you got to do certain punishments or we do that. Even at our level, there's still things like that. And sometimes you still kick the ball and you do the punishment. That's just kind of the, the way it is. Um, I don't think if I, I don't feel pressure to live up to something. I definitely want to make sure that what I value, what I think will bring the team to a certain level is, you know, represented in kind of what I'm bringing and they're able to see that. Right. But it is, like I mentioned, you know, not to be super vain, but a lot of people are watching us most of the time, right? If I'm at my pro club or I'm at my, or I'm with the A team and we're traveling or whatever, people are watching you mm-hmm. uh, and you're kind of aware of that. But I mean, after a certain time, 
it just becomes a reality. You just have to make sure that what your actually your actions actually align with your values. And then if they do, then whatever. You can defend those actions. Okay. So take us forward, TJ. We're 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 inching closer. It's a weird year. It's a weird quad. It's actually turned into a bit of a penta. Pe- I don't know. Five year thing. We're inching closer. Like, are we? Are we headed to the Olympics? Are we looking for gold? Where are we at? Just give the listeners a little bit of background on where we're at. What we're looking for. Yeah. Well so much unknown right and, and the crazy thing is is it's so much known for unknown for every country i mean there's been very limited international volleyball over the past like during the pandemic right there's obviously pro seasons and stuff like that but that's not really helping team chemistry with with international teams um so the fact that we'll be going into a, a summer that has the olympics in it with such limited not only playing together but also scouting i mean there's going to be a huge panic once nation leagues gets going to make sure we get all that video and we understand everything from every team because in two years there's going to be some random young freaks out there that we need to now know um so it'll be interesting but it is set up for that you know nations league we're there for like 30 days there's going to be a ton of games um so there's going to be a lot of volleyball played and there's going to be a lot of scouting coming out of that there's going to be a lot of opportunities to experiment with different lineups and runs and offenses and stuff like that um but the olympics i mean we are definitely setting our sights high i think pretty classic going into any tournament right it's like let's get into that quarterfinal game and then let's just make sure we're in a good spot to beat any team in the world because i think we're now at the point where we have the confidence that we can beat any team in the world um there are obviously some extremely good teams out there that can also say that um but you know even last olympics i don't think we would have said that right right we would have wanted to say that but it wouldn't have been very honest right i think now with the amount of weapons we have with the amount of experience with the fact that we've done the olympics before you know it's not as much of a big deal as it was last time i mean it's still sorry it's still the same level but it's not new right there's no unexpected turns kind of thing um so yeah it'll be really interesting to see how nations league goes not only for us but for all the teams um and then yeah we'll be going to the olympics trying to you know win every game we play so is the idea then because that's interesting to hear because like is the idea you want to set yourself up hey we got to win these games we're going to get ourselves into a quarterfinal playing well and then we're going to ride the wave as far as we can yeah i mean there's so much that can happen in that pool play and there's so much that can happen in that quarterfinal so i mean it's really going to be the the coaching staff navigating that Mm -hmm. in whatever that looks like you know because if, we, if we've got a certain – I mean, I don't really think there's matchups we would want in that quarterfinal. Like, I don't think we'll be going there. It'll be we want to win as many games as we can. But some of our guys are older, so maybe they can't play every single game in the pool play. Maybe, you know, because even if you look at the last Olympics, I think our quarterfinal, we were a little bit gassed or we were a little bit injured. We weren't really at full form. We right. kind of, like, got in the fight of the pool play and then – made it out yeah. with a great showing and then we kind of suffered in that quarterfinal because of it um so i think there's just so many things at play uh throughout that that being said and i'm sure you've experienced this too and I, actually both of you right like we're not going to go in being like oh we want this quarterfinal matchup and then we'll win this and then we'll play this right it's hey we're going to play a team and almost every team there is going to be extremely difficult to beat and then all of a sudden getting a quarterfinal it's like we're going to just try and be executing as, as good as we can um, and adjusting accordingly. You know, we're going to be looking at, okay, where are our offensive strengths, where are other teams' weaknesses, how do we exploit that? And it's just going to be that natural chess game that happens in, in almost every tournament, right? Yeah, and that's such a holistic view. Like, I feel like that's sometime, sometimes the thing we miss, especially in beach, is looking at, like, and especially in beach, when you play a full world tour season, like, yeah, you guys play a world league, nations league, you know, Olympics, you're playing the one tournament, of the Olympics. So that's your thing. And we play that, but every other week type thing. Right. And like, okay, yeah. Get yourself into a second round match, like set yourself up, win the pool, like to ride the wave to victories because next week, two weeks later, you got to do it again. I mean, at the Olympics, it could be a little bit different, but it's still got to be the same mentality. You're like, you're not going to win every tournament, but you want to be playing as best the best that you can when whenever you can, right? In this case, that's uh, every game after you get out of the pool, right? 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, so the decisions that will be made during Nations League will be different than the decisions that will be made at the Olympics, right? It's going to be more experimentation and stuff like that with Nations League. Uh, once we get into that pool play, it's going to be go time, right? This is like why this is why we play. This is why, you know, it's just proving that we're all professionals and we know what we're going to do. Gosh, man. Um, it's so going to be. Fun. Yeah. And honestly, it's going to be great because Japan's going to be nuts. I mean, if they actually end up allowing uh, fans in there, it's some of the craziest volleyball. Like, these fans are insane. They love the game. Oh, my gosh. Um, they love it there. Yeah. So, it's going to be it's going to be great. And I mean, you definitely are trying to win everything you can. Like, if you were to ask me, oh, would you want to win Nations League this summer? Yeah, of course. Obviously. But that's, such, that's so far from the actual objective, which is to peak at the Olympics and try and perform and execute as – perfect as we can yeah, right? you That's only the, want to win the, nations league if you're then going to win the olympics if you had yeah. your you know like we don't want yeah. to blow our load on nations league and then yeah. not make it out of pool at the olympics yeah that's true i mean hey we'll be watching man good luck to you and i mean we had a, like we didn't throw many sharp cuts like it's just a holistic happy episode here josh that we're reaching the end of i'm sad to say because we get so many Great topics to talk about with TJ, but we didn't throw any sharp cuts, buddy. Maybe maybe we should try one then, Gary. Maybe we should try one. We should address this. So, because the with the depth of Team Canada right now, TJ, do you predict some tough conversations with that Olympic roster? Like, are there going to be some studs left off the list? Because VNLs like isn't it eighteen or even like twenty athletes? Where you got to get that down to twelve at the Olympics, right? Like, I, I don't think any coach is looking forward to that with the, with the depth of Team Why Canada. Why do they only right give now. you twelve? <laughs> I, I really don't understand that right now because logistically adding two more guys to 12 teams is not a lot of yeah, more people teams. in the village. Yes. It's not a lot. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's pretty nuts. And especially when this VNL is very unusual to have 18 to 20 guys. I also think they're allowed to, there's a whole set of different rules because they want to make sure that the quality at the, of the Olympics is the priority. Um, but I mean, in past years we'll have, a full season of nations league and other tournaments with 14. And then you go into the Olympics, it's only 12 and you are a full team and you got to have these insane conversations, which I, I don't fully understand that like is disappointing because you're losing. I mean, if you're orchestrating a team, 12 guys is tough to make the roster you want to make, right? There's certain situations you're having to leave out a certain player or a certain tool that you would have had the whole nations league. Um, There will definitely be tough conversations. I mean, that's the beauty. It's kind of a luxury though, right? That we have so many yeah. high quality players. Who do you, to take? You, you take a third middle, you take a third outside hitter who can pass. You take a second setter. What? A second right side. What, what else? Like you, what, where do you cut the line? You take a fourth middle, you take a, a fifth outside hitter. Like what are you taking? I know. And that, that, that is a difficult conversation. I would say there's probably going to be things. Okay. Strategically, what can we use? You know, like, is it, do we want to, are we going to be using a lot of blocking subs? So do we want another middle? Are we going to be, you know, maybe using a left side as a libero at some point? Are we going to be, right? There's so many of these different kind of push and pull on what, what that lineup will look like. I mean, I'm happy that I don't have to make those decisions because that would suck. Um, especially because you are, you're going to be leaving out guys that are on the team. You know, that's a weird concept. Typically, you know, if it's picking 14 guys for Nations League, you're leaving guys out, but they haven't been in that same group for so long, you know, it's, it's a different yeah. dynamic going down to 12. Um, and you're right. I honestly think that all 14 guys, especially in a tournament where you're playing every other day will be used in some capacity, whether it be a serving sub blocking yeah. sub, you know, certain matchup, certain whatever, right? Like you're losing crucial tools. Well, yeah. Like are you going to have, like you got to have three middles. You got to have an extra outside or two. Do you have a double sub option? Like, okay, if you get the blocking sub with your third middle, but are you resting a guy? Like you got your second setter. Like, do you have a another passing sub? Who's your serving sub? Like, who is it? Like, I, that would be so tough for me. I can't even think of what I would take there. Like, I mean, hopefully you're not on that list, TJ. You're going right, or do you even know yet? Oh, I definitely don't know yet. Uh, it'll it'll be announced. I mean, last time it was announced like a few days before it all kind of went down. Um, just because it is, it's it's such a difficult decision, and we have the full-on Nations League for the coaching staff to make those decisions. That's And when I'm saying, you know, experimenting or mm. trying different lineups, a lot of that will be yeah. trying to figure out what we want. Because you kind of got to, I mean, we obviously have a team identity, but that evolves each 
tournament, each season, each whatever, right? So we need to figure out what that is. And is that, oh, we've got some serving subs that are bombing. And that's actually, if we look at our coefficient, we're end up winning more games or winning more points because of that than a double sub or then whatever it is, right? So they're going to be looking at a bunch of different stuff. Um, for me personally, I mean, a big thing is going to be what will my body do in Nations League, right? It's yeah. going to be a bit of a test to see, okay, can my back handle it? Is that yeah. going to be something that will become an issue? Because if you're only bringing 12 guys, bringing half a guy is a difficult decision. So a lot of that is going to be uh, it's a bit of a showcase. I got to make sure that I can you know, perform consistently over a schedule as demanding as the Olympics. Well, listen, man, we wish you all the best. Good luck. Um, we've reached kind of our time limit. This is kind of how the show ends sometimes is where we don't <laughs> want to end the show, but we've reached our yeah. time limit. Normally, we got guys who just get sick and we are like, okay, we're done with you. Get off like it's time. But I mean, this is maybe rare. So, I mean, thanks for coming on, TJ. We wish all the best to you and Team Canada at the Nations League, but not as much as the Olympics because that's the goal we talked about already. So, um, Josh, save us here before because we could do another 10 hours with TJ. So let's easily, maybe just cut this easily. off before, uh, before we ruin anybody else's night. Well, well, that's why he was one of the first multiple guests on the Passing Nights podcast because he's just welcome anytime. He, he's great with the content. Wait, he's great you had TJ on twice and you haven't had me on twice? What the heck? Exactly. That's exactly I'm what I'm saying. <laughs> and I can, I can confirm if TJ's left off that Olympic roster, the dozens and dozens of Passing Dimes fans will riot. So, we, you know, he's got a big support oh, yeah. with what we've got on here. Hey, put in a good word if they're looking for announcers. If Charles is ever looking to, hey, you know who to call, right? Oh, yeah, okay. I don't know if you, no. Sorry, I interrupted Josh. We're well, getting TJ, off the show again. Been, we could go on forever. I got to stop. This has been awesome. I, I know whoever started listening to this episode is still with us now. How could you turn this one off? So, TJ, thanks so much for joining us. This is going to come out on Monday. It's going to be on Yes Guy Gaming if you want to watch it on YouTube. If you're more of an audio fan and you want to do this while you know, you're in the car, you're going grocery shopping, you can find it on all the podcast uh, platforms with Passing Dimes. This is a good one. I, I know we hyped it up from the start, but, man, it feels good to deliver on this one, Garrett. This is a great episode.